Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric. With me is my co-host, Robert. Hello. So, getting right into it, the rapid-fire segment here. We're going to shoot off a couple quick questions to get Robert's brain firing, which is always good because he's so good without any preparation. <laughs> If you say so. So uh, it is the Monday prior to the Scorched Earth Open, our big GT that we do every year. What are some of your pre-tournament superstitions that you have to do? Uh, Well, right now I'm finding the most well-behaved set of dice. So far, my old Vegas dice are currently the winners. And then after that are my metal dice, but I don't want to bring those because if I roll too aggressively, I might break someone's army, but <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah, I would feel really bad unless, you know, it was like. Actually, no, I would always feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> no way to justify it. Um, but no, that's that's currently the the, the um, superstitional thing that I have stuck going through my head. Along with the, oh, yeah, no, I'll totally get my last six custode bikes done by Saturday. It's perfectly fine. So I'm glad I'm not the only one with the last minute painting. So this is the first time in, I can't remember now, that it's the Monday before a tournament. And we're like, so we had a big terrain build today. So the Matt Ball, who's our co-captain for Smite Club, but also been, uh, leading the charge, kind of my co-TO um, for this year, and it's been a huge addition. So over at his house, we are finishing up terrain. We knocked out 48 hills, 48 craters, and uh, I think he's banging out the last of the Necron terrain for all our buildings. So we were busy today. <laughs> sure sounds like it. I, I know I was busy with getting attempting to get physical data so that way i had um an idea of how to play against Tau. well i only got to play a turn before i had to pack up and leave to come do this so oh so it's all my fault i'm sorry about that <laughs> no no it's not your fault my my opponent nice guy but he just he didn't show up until like seven we were discussing lists and explaining how things work until like seven twenty, and then setting up and it was just we don't got a lot of time. Yeah, so. that sucks. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Brings me to my next question. Uh, how long should it take to deploy? Um, that depends on the army, to be honest. I know my custodes, I finish in something like... 11 seconds? <laughs> no, like <laughs> three minutes and 11 seconds. But um, he was playing Borkon Tau. So he... He did have to deploy a little more um, awkwardly because we ended up playing um, mission twenty. No, mission twelve out of the new book. I'm trying to remember which one and, that is. I still haven't found the correlation between the numbers and the names. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's the one where you have the. That's the one where you could you can do the action of setting up an explosive. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. By the way, we were playing ported that. from the tactical deployment book that nobody liked. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, the um, 
we were playing that one and I realized after picking my secondaries that taking a any other action based secondary on that mission does not mix well because it's um yeah especially with custodes because you have so few units but um because we didn't have time to do player place terrain i ended up setting up the terrain before he got there and i didn't know the deployment zones that well so i accidentally gave him an entire lane from his deployment zone to mine for his broadsides to look at oh nice yeah player place terrain guys does stuff <laughs> That's just a really good point. I didn't even think about that. That you can like, you know, how many actions can you physically do in a in a turn? And yeah, that that the very action heavy. So yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no. Otherwise, I don't have a lot of superstitious stuff for um events because I show up to events, I roll dice, I do stuff, I meet people. Like it's a it's a thing all on its own <laughs> the only thing that i will most likely do between every game though is count my dice every time before i start playing i do that too and i get really distracted when i'm missing one i'm like where did it go <laughs> yep but um nah, it's you had a much more productive day with finishing the craters and stuff <laughs> like that because this event is going to be amazing with all of the new terrain and it is probably going to be starting the year on the right foot because I am very much now on the opinion that an off season is kind of a nice thing sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those you're like, maybe we just need a couple of weeks to plan this out. But then I'm looking at, um, you know, so far who's been playing in which tournaments and a lot of the upper echelon, like the top 25 uh, from the night DC over the last three or four seasons, I haven't really gone to a tournament yet. So I think maybe they're doing the same thing. So, well, I have a feeling what's going on is because of all of the back to back book releases. Because obviously, from the start of the year, there was Custodes into Tau in. Well, Custodes and Genius Sealer Cults into Tau, into Eldar, into Tyranids. So it's a. I'm pretty sure all, like a lot of the Art of War guards are like, all right, we need to figure out who's taking what to what event. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, new Eldar Codex is out, finally out in the wild. Um, will it or will it not be the new monster on the. Uh, tournament circuit well seeing as i was a lucky lucky little dog and i found one um i actually got to read it a little bit and pure eldar i'm not sure yet because i don't know them well enough but with my practice against harlequins all throughout the start of ninth edition and then actually looking at some of their stuff mm-hmm uh, how do you like an army that gets three rerolls a turn for free? <laughs> yeah, and they could possibly get up to more than that, but and especially when you think about like turn four and turn five, and you're like, 
All right. Because <laughs> it used to be you were guaranteed at least plus one at the start of the turn. With these new missions, you're not. Mm-hmm. And now you're like struggling for, do I keep this for, you know, this crazy reroll thing or do I, I need the strategy to get, get done. So maybe, maybe I should hold off on that. These guys get it for free. Yeah. The, um, the other big thing like today that I actually had a scenario in a, another game that I played wasn't super competitive but it made it actually could come into some scenarios because trajan gives me a five plus refund on mm-hmm. stratagem if i'm down to one strat i can all right cool i'm going to tingle foot you all right this is my this is my last cp uh refund cool now i can overwatch you yeah <laughs> so it's definitely a um the fact that harlequin's get those extra rerolls and then also um the solitaire the solitaire is going to be a nuisance especially with the rerolls because it's like oh three plus invulnerable eh, let me reroll that <laughs> yeah and on top of the fact that um chatting with one of the people about it they actually found a so this is an issue in the GW app. Um, in the book, the solitaire cannot take a relic or a warlord trait. True. In the app, it lets you give him both. Oh, there we go. So, just an FYI, follow what the book says. Do not try to slap this weird combination onto a solitaire where he can like ignore overwatch and all this other like silly, crazy stuff. And he's got Kegrex <laughs> Rose, which does a flat three damage. Yes. <laughs> I think. Yeah. No, yeah, three we, damage, we, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a relic. He can't take a relic. It's supposed to. Speaking yeah. of failures of the uh, GW electronic side of things. Last week, we talked about the new episode of the Exodite coming out. Following week, big splash and still on their community page. Sorry for the delay. The second episode might is coming out at a later date. Coincidence? Mm. Seeing as I still I haven't allotted myself time to actually watch the Exodite or anything yet. Yeah, no, I'm going to assume that there's some kind of like employee shortage or something now. Just like, nope, we don't want to animate stuff. Well, as far as I know, the show's done. I think it's there might have been some sort of like um, technical hiccup out there. So I hope it gets fixed soon. But um, feel bad, you know, especially when they kind of uh, here. Here's all the things we plan, and we're gonna. They're actually gonna sound like they're gonna actually have two shows running concurrently, which is different you know before it was like we're going to do one run of one show then we're going to pause and then we're going to run another show looks like they're going to speed that up a little bit so we'll see what happens well yeah it's like how you said earlier where well not earlier but last week where there was um a a strange pause for like oh yeah where's all the age of sigmar content well it turns out that the next age of the first Age of Sigma content is basically the hammer and bolter equivalent because the art style is the same. Yeah, yeah, I, was, I saw that too, which I, I'm glad to see. You know, it's not that I'm a big Age of Sigma fan. I remember seeing some of the shows of like, I'd watch that. 
that'd be pretty cool. So, yeah, but overall, um, I'll probably end up watching the Exodite to see if they get the lore and stuff more accurate because playing Tau on the tabletop is a whole nother awkward beastie because you don't know exactly what's going to happen unless you know that army better than your opponent does. Right. No, it's definitely a very different army, even just from last edition. You know, how much different it plays and um which is a good thing. I didn't that's one reason why I'm like, uh I actually sold my Tau army a while ago because it just was not happy on how it played. You know, I was like, uh, I'm never gonna play this army muscle. I have somebody who is interested here, take it off my hands. Yeah, my the Tau opponent that I was going to try and play today, he he admittedly goes, Well, I started collecting custodes and Eldar and Tau all really before their books came out because I was like, yeah, no, I think this is a really cool looking army. And now he's, aside from me, he's associated as the meta horse of just, yeah, no, I'm going to go play this army. Go play that army. There is nothing wrong with playing armies if you think they look cool. Now, given Tau and Custodes are very much a really strong faction right now. So, yeah. If your if your friends just kind of sit there and go, nope, I'm not going to play with you because you play blah blah, blah then find better opponents. Yes, no kidding. <laughs> Final question for rapid fire: You are in charge of building an army for the Ringer. What do you build? Um. Well, let's see. If I had thirty five hundred dollars and enough money to give to commission painted, I would let someone play a Warlord Titan. <laughs> I think that's more than 2,000 points, but... Well, I mean, the the Warhound, I guess. But, I mean, uh, obviously, it would just be like, alright, cool, you're going to play this guy. His army is just a single Warlord Titan. We're going to give you a prize to see if how many wounds you can take off of this thing. There we go, yeah. <laughs> you get one victory point for every wound suffered. <laughs> yeah, no, it, honestly, like, to do a Ringer army or something like that, I... Like, I know I would put my Necrons as the Ringer army because of the fact that I haven't played them in the meta for very long. And also, I would probably make a list of orcs with like, oh, yeah, no, here's 90 boys or whatever. Like, just throw them. <laughs> you got a true green tide. You just bra. <laughs> But otherwise, yeah, no, making a ringer army can be kind of a kind of a headache sometimes, especially when you're like, but I want to play my really powerful army, but I'm also the ringer. Uh... Well, that's what I'm going through right now. So originally I was like, oh, um, hmm, what armies do I have painted? That narrows it down to three armies real fast. So because um, I was like, oh, I'll play my demons. They're pretty easy to manage, but most of them are not fully painted. They look like and I kind of want to take the time to really paint them up nice. I've got an idea what I want to do, but it's still time to do it. So then I was like, all right, so that leaves, um, do I bring out my 5th edition Chaos Space Marine army? <laughs> and just kind of insert Heldrake here. I think just kind of, I might have a Mauler Fiend that's painted. I think I have two. I was like, oh, I could do that. 
And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Might, I might pull that one off. But then I was like, because I don't want to bring my Drakari, because the idea exactly is, you know, you're probably playing somebody towards the bottom of the table, and they're like, Drakari? All right, I'm just going home. You know, it's that whole stigmatism. So I was like, hmm. So my thought process was, because we're the Eldar Codex did not make our cutoff, by the way. So we're still playing with the old Eldar rules for this tournament. Yeah. So part of me goes, well, I was really disappointed with the Inari rules in the new Codex. So I may play old school Inari. <laughs> so <laughs> this pull out, you know, the few Harlequins I actually have paint on and some of my Drakari and my Triumvirate and go, here we go. <laughs> I about to say, sick, go ahead, sick them double training spears on people. Do it. <laughs> I don't have those. What I'm thinking is doing the old um, Dark Reaper battery, you know, with uh, Fade and Fire yeah. and Ancestor's Grace, and then a whole bunch of bikes and a whole bunch of Incubi and a small squ- and a probably large squad on foot of Harlequins. That'd be good to go with the, uh, and of course, with the Incarn. So it'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you got to have big old swirly boy jumping around causing a nuisance. Yeah, especially now he's before he goes up to 14 wounds and actually can be shot now. <laughs> ah! So there we go. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. So before we get into the primary objective, I brought this up on chat with our behind the scenes and I want to talk about it on the air. So Robert, if you remember, I discovered a new tournament format that's starting to happen in the Nachmund season. <laughs> Oh yes, this thing of um, because it was essentially splitting your tournament into two smaller tournaments. Correct. So what happens is they advertise it as a six-round GT, and here's what happens: you play on day one, and if you make the top, whatever cutoff they come up with, usually top eight. So then the top eight will play three games on Sunday for the championship. So they will play a six-round tournament. And consequently, with the new scoring system, the more rounds you play, the, you know, of course, the more wins you pile up in consecutively, starting with your first game, the more points you get. Meanwhile, the rest of us slobs who languish in mid-table obscurity play in a second RTT on day two. And at first I thought, hmm, what's the point in that? But then I did some research. It actually makes a lot of sense. Because the all right, so you, Go ahead. Yeah, you, you might have to explain to me why it makes sense. Because <laughs> my initial feeling is that, and oh my god, breaking news, we have a ray emerging from the warp. We have a ray? <laughs> I made it. Oh my goodness! Yes, yes, the original co-host of this of this podcast has arrived back from all his dust or wherever he may be <laughs> the primark of the podcast <laughs> just far enough in to make it hell to edit <laughs> nah you're good 
we just fi- we just wrapped up the uh, rapid fire. We would say, what is your uh, pre-tournament uh, what's ritual? You know, to bring you good luck. Oh, um, usually a good night's rest. <laughs> so responsible. I'm impressed. <laughs> Well, as as Don can attest, uh, nothing helps sabotage your tournament play like being tired. That is indeed true. That, of course, he does like thirty eight hours straight of being awake, and then shows up for a tournament. So, well, I mean, if you take enough, if you take enough caffeine, it makes you feel not tired. Feeling yeah, not tired and being tired are sometimes the same thing. Because you don't feel tired doesn't mean you don't make the tired <laughs> mistakes. Oh, is that why I thought I saw a two when I rolled a three? That makes total <laughs> sense. No, uh, yes, being, getting into a nice sleep and drinking plenty of water and stuff like that will definitely make your next day much easier rather than just counting dice. <laughs> I say bring back the apps. You don't have to count dice. But I like making click clack noises, Eric. I always I mean it's a major. Str- I don't know what it is with maybe it's my eyesight or whatever. I always have a difficult time making sure. Did I? I, always, I always have to ask my opponent. Did I get them all? You know, all the misses. And um, that's why I like the app better. I'm just like, eh, go, go, go. All right, we're done. <laughs> yeah. But to return to our actual question ah, yes. about the the format of um, events splitting themselves, so. Yes, the it is a good thing to separate your mid-table warriors and low-table fun times from the top contenders overall, because obviously then at that point everyone gets to play someone of the same skill level and actually have an enjoyable event. Um, the only problem I have with that is the fact that, let's say someone from mid-table obscurity ends up winning their first three games. Okay. They get put, they get put up into the league with the top contenders. Let's say they continue winning those three games. Does, but all of their, all of the other people that they played, being essentially dropped into a three-round RTT, um, the system could be affected by possible tiebreakers and other kind of like strength of schedule stuff. So it's a. It's from a history of card games that I kind of go, yeah, no, separating your separating your entire tournament into like um, several different things could cause a lot of feel bads. Like if someone was in seventh and then you pull away their strongest, um, their highest strength of schedule game out of their thing and it pulls them down like two spots, mm-hmm. that would be my issue. Okay. We definitely need some sort of system. I mean, that's always the the problem we have right now is our system is kind of reliant on battle points. I'm not really sure if I agree with that yet. Uh, Strength of schedule has been more popular. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Especially if an incredibly large event, you're going to have several uh, 3-0s after day one. And you may not have uh, enough room in your whatever cutoff. Like I said, most players, most teams, excuse me, most tournaments that are using this format are doing the top eight because they can get an easy three rounds and get a true undefeated winner. Again, you know, what's your tiebreaker system and all that, get all that in place. What I do like about this is that the top eight 
go through and you know they get their bigger points because they actually played six rounds consecutively and so whoever it finishes the perfect six to no it's going to get a pretty big score the issue you know it's it's pretty rare you know when you look at I mean, somebody who's like two and one on day two, day one even if they run the table five and one they might leapfrog a couple of players you know but they they'll they're not going to win the event somebody's going to win the event at six and oh and so you're almost just kind of like muddling along for getting more you know a higher placement or something if you're one and two i mean then you're just like okay the best i can do is four and two it's not it's a good day you know that sort of thing yeah and that does make a lot of sense as someone who has done that before where i go one and two day one and then i win my next three games it's um it is very much a i i guess i'm just also stuck on the bit of well this entire event adds up your points because of its size so at that point it's a okay everyone that is in top eight gets cut out well that's the points that they got or the points they get from that event then the second event they go to like how would it be any different than them staying in the actual event they were in outside of the fact that they might get a larger chunk of points if they go undefeated that day so here's so here's yeah okay good point so the top eight move on they get their bigger points for getting six rounds the below the top eight so they get a fair amount of points but the pretty much they said they wherever they end up you know for being two and one one and two even though in three they get you know get a couple points here and there the key is is that the day two they're now playing in a second tournament you're going to get the difference between a two and one player even they repeat and go two and one again on the second day Okay, now they're four and two. Are they going to really get that many more points? Maybe. But if by playing an entirely second event, you're almost doubling your points for the weekend. Yeah, and that's the point of view that I guess just didn't make a lot of sense to me because of the fact that it did kind of just... When I think of events, it's a... Okay, you you go to an event, you go to play your five or six rounds, however many there are, and you get your points for that event, and bingo, that gets you your gets one of your six events. Now, if you go to a, an event, you go two and one, and you're like ninth place, you just get bumped down and you play against everyone else, and you go undefeated, it actually works in most people's favor because of the fact that you go... You are now technically going to two events. Mm -hmm. So it's two out of your six. So it does allow you to get your initial collective score faster, but then also gives easy scores to be shred off if you go to another event and place better. Right. So... I guess that makes a lot more sense since now there's no actual size bracket that has to be met for things. Right. The other way I look at it is kind of a do-over. Yeah, day one, ugh, I went one and two, oh and three. Wasn't my best game. 
come back tomorrow. Okay, a couple stragglers decide not to come back. Cool. And I go 3-0 and on day two. All right. It was it was just the dice, I told you. <laughs> but at least you get a, yeah, kind of a do-over on the weekend. So. There's also yeah. one and other how do you too. feel about all of this, Ray? Um, there's an angle you, you haven't considered there is by opening up an event on day two, you actually open up the possibility of being able to pull in people who may not have been able to make the Saturday. Ooh. That's true. You could accommodate everyone that may or may not be on a wait list. That's a point that I didn't factor in yet. That is a very good point. Now, given, like, I don't think very many wait lists are going to be super substantial because of, like imagine if you had a wait list of like 20 people <laughs> just a oh yeah by the way we're having a second event uh, I don't think you would get the people who are traveling but yeah. I definitely could see people are like I would love to go to your tournament I can't make a two day commitment so I was like yeah, well if I could choose one of the two days it may not be Saturday it might be Sunday uh, that's actually a key point. The other thing, like for example, it's like another plug. You know, for our current tournament, Scorched Earth, we're part of a. Our tournament is in a game convention, so <laughs> all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know what? I I want to be in the Ticket the Ride tournament on Saturday, and I'll do the 40k tournament on Sunday. Yeah, or you were one of the volunteers that was running something like a a Dungeons Dragons session or something like that. You can go, oh, okay, I'm going to do that on Saturday, and then you go and do your tournament on Sunday, Sunday when yeah. you don't have any plate. Yeah, I wish I had that option when I was a couple of times I went to Nova. Um, so I was running you know, various uh, hobby seminars and all that. I remember going in on Sunday, and I was like, yay, I'm the ringer. <laughs> so, you know, good news is I went two and one. Bad news is because I didn't play on Saturday, I actually went two and four. <laughs> I was like, ugh. <laughs> Yeah, so that is actually a very valid point that you brought up there, Ray. That's actually something that not a lot of us actually kind of thought about, I think. I like it. So anyway, so look for that. So if you're trying to plan out your events for the rest of the Moon season, keep that in mind. Yes, because Moon won't wait for anyone. That's right. So speaking of Dachmund, it's time to get into the primary objective Three events we want to talk about tonight. Let's start in California. Let's head up north. Of course, I cannot think of the name of the tournament off the top of my head. <laughs> I was say, are we going to Clutch City? I was going to save that one for last because that's our good friend Colin McDade. Uh, and there's Dice Hammer or Hammerhead? Let's do a Hammerhead. That's the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> All right. So in the top 10, um, so we'll start with Stephen Danley, who is running Farsight Enclaves, going three and three. Then we have Reese Watkin with Custodes going three and three as well. Um, Chris Manson as Thousand Sons going three and three. John Dyer with Tyranids with a three, one, and two. He had a single tie. Um, Carl McComish. Sorry if I mispronounced that, Carl. Um, also with Custodes going four and two. Fifth place is Ty Beauchamp. 
um, going four and two with Chaos Demons. That that's interesting. Um, fourth place is Chris Nelson with Farsight Enclaves. Uh, third place is Mark Wynn with Dark Eldar. Second place is Ashton Frizzle with Tau Sept. And then the only undefeated, I think he made a gamble on this one because his name is Paul Gamble. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he gets that pun all, all the, time. the time and he's probably sick of it. <laughs> well, then anyway, Paul, I wonder if he's like like Proctor and Gamble. I'm like, no, I do not do soap operas. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, so him going undefeated with Tau Sept. Let's see if I can actually, because his list got jumbled up. Okay, so it was the one I did have. Okay. So the winning list was, again, Towsept, like I said, a Enforcer Suit Commander um, with a marker and a shield drone. And I have to point this out every time now because he has the big old hunter's plate. He's hunting that bagel. He's going for it. Um, he has Dark Strider. He has a single unit of crew carnivores, a small three man, no, two man unit of crisis bodyguard suits with a single shield drone, another patrol with a cold star commander, an ethereal, another unit of carnivores, and two five man bricks of crisis suits. One with um, a cyclic ion blaster, a plasma rifle, and a tau flamer with velocity trackers. And the iridium battle suit, so the two up save with a single marker drone and four shield drones. And then the other crisis suit brick is all is double fragmentate, double air burst projectors, and a flamer with target lock and two shield drones. And then to round out the list is five Vespid Stingwings. Six, I think. Yeah, six. Um, and then six broadsides. Uh, okay. Both of them with three shield drones. SMS and rail rifles, I'm assuming. Uh, yep. Heavy rail rifle, SMS, and velocity trackers. Uh, yeah. So, um, the one thing I did get to do today was I actually did get to tag broadsides in combat and yeah, no, if they don't have shield generators and whatnot, they do fold like a wet napkin. Really? Good to know. Given I also was using custode bikes into them. So... I got to charge them and whatnot, so it was just a, alright, cool. If you touch a broadside unit, given you have enough high strength, um, high damage and high AP attacks to get through their save, yeah, no, you'll eat the broadside unit for breakfast. Um, but you need to get there first and get through their invuln saves if they have it. Hmm. Did he overwatch on you, or were you able to bypass that? Um, he did not overwatch on me. Because of the fact of, I don't know why. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yes. It Never interrupted your opponent while making a mistake. So. <laughs> uh, also, it was his first 
venture into Tau. Mm. So I don't think he really understood doing Overwatch with broadsides. Because I he had the rail rifles, but I don't think he actually paid for the SMSs. Interesting. Okay. Again, he had he didn't build a really good list, right. so it was just a he, it was what he had. Right. But it is something I've heard that from a few other players as well that uh, you know Tau can are all, not quite glass hammers, but they they do fold, they they do die, and so if you get to them. But that's what I was looking at as I was running the math, especially uh, two weeks ago. We talked about all the British lists where they took 10 man crisis suit blocks. I'm like, how do you kill 10 crisis suits? <laughs> it's like, oh, God. So, well, it, that's becoming the the regular now is two five man bricks mm-hmm. because they're super fast, they're durable. It, yeah, no, it's just really hard to chew through that many wounds. No. Um, but then second for um, Ashton Frizzle's list is... I love the Fraggle Rock. rock. <laughs> um, I'm containing my laughter. <laughs> so he has a Cold Star Commander. He has an Ethereal. He has two Breacher teams and a single and a unit of Carnivores. Um, the two bricks of five crisis suits that we've all come to see um one of them has two marker light drones whereas the other one does not and the one that does not is kitted out with fusion blasters plasma rifles and, sh- and flamers so the this is the if you come close to me you melt <laughs> whereas the other unit has ion blasters plasma rifles yeah, ion blasters and two plasma rifles. So that is the I'm going to reach out and kill you. <laughs> that is interesting. Okay, I like the dual uh, rolls. Mm-hmm. A single unit of still suits, the broadside brick. Um. Then he has, um, Commander Shadowson, and a storm surge. <laughs> <laughs> Can't snooze on those. Uh, so yeah, the Storm Surge has the Pulse Driver Cannon, Twin Burst Cannon, Velocity Tracker, and Early Warning Override. So at that point, I believe he gets to Overwatch on fives. I oh yeah, oh, that's not nice. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's a big oof. But this is tried and true to your heart, Eric. So I'll let you take Mark wins because he got Dark Elder. Yeah, and I looked at this and. It's a very interesting list in that it's very simple, so but it's also really you know focuses on positioning because you have to be able to position this really well. So he starts off with a patrol of uh, black heart. And this is where it gets a little confusing, and this is something a new trend I'm seeing with a lot of Drukari lists. You've got the Archon, that's not the new trend, but he didn't take Cabalite Warriors, he took three units of racks. People are like, well, wait a minute, those are covens. So the racks now benefit from no coven. But the point is, he doesn't care. He wants five, three units of five really durable troops to hold objectives with. Uh, additionally, he has two units of five mandrakes, who are your action monkeys, and then two ravagers with uh, dark lances. And given that Blackguard have a free reroll, gives them very reliable shooting with those dark lances. 
Although with the current meta, I'm beginning to wonder if you really want to move towards disintegrators, considering he also added two Void Raven bombers, each with uh, Void Lances. So he kept them pretty bare bones, so it looks like he did not add the missile system. In addition to that, you've got two Venoms and bare bones. In the second attachment, Cult of Strife, uh, Succubus with all the fun stuff, Adrenaline, Adrenalite, uh, Precision Blows, Razor Flails, and a Dark Lotus Toxin, and also upgrade him to a Show Stealer, Unit of Five Witches, and then this is where it gets really bizarre. Not one, but two blocks of 20 Hellions. <laughs> Couldn't those other 340 points be used on jet bikes? <laughs> so that way you could use like the plus one to wound strat or whatever? Yeah, the uh, it's plus one to plus one is to movement and they reroll hits in close combat. Ah, uh, that's what the strat is. Yeah. Okay. Which is at first you're like, oh, big deal. But it works out really well because you give that to those two, the Reavers and the Hellions, so they get a reroll to hit. And then so what they do is they fly around and they shoot something they don't intend to charge. And if they can get them below half strength, there's a second stratagem called Prey of the Weak. So you can actually give three units reroll the hits <laughs> for, for two CP. It's pretty nasty. But um, yeah, it's yeah. moving around 20, 40 Hellions is pretty crazy. And uh, yeah, I think he was, I think this list really plays off of the overall mobility that the army has because the Ravagers still move like 12, don't they? Yeah. So yeah, that's 12. Obviously you have the planes, the Venoms are super fast, the Hellions are fast, and then you put the Witches and the Succubus into a Venom or whatever. So your entire army outside of the racks is legitimately just flying across the table. Yep. And he also gave uh, the Hellions Painbreaker, um, Painbringer, excuse me, so that's their T5. So they're designed to thwart off SMS, so they're going to come in. And also they're character hunters, because you can do eviscerating flyby. So rolling 20 dice, uh, fives and sixes inflict a mortal wound. Hmm. And that's done in the movement yeah. phase. <laughs> Yeah, that um, given you can get them across the table to fly over something like broadsides or crisis suits or something like that, mortal wounds will definitely chew through their save faster than a shooting or melee will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's a, it's an interesting list. I'm I'm really thinking it over. Uh, I'm part of me just. I mean, obviously he piloted the list and did you know better than I would. I'm just wondering if Blackheart was the way to go with the first one. I'm wondering if. Um, poison tongue so because one of the neat tricks if you're going to take the two void raven bombers being able to deploy them and then go oh this is not the favorable matchup i wanted by going first or second so if i'm going i will move them back into reserves and bring them back when i want them mm -hmm. and then he's got the two venoms so now they're wounding on threes because the racks you know like i said all they're doing they're just check chair units so you don't really care if they move forward or not. And the only thing you lose is some reliability on the Ravagers. Like I said, if I was taking the Void Ravens, already have the heavy shooting, I would probably switch the Dark Lances out to Disintegrators simply because they play much better into the Custodes meta. And now if you've got nine shots, one extra reroll isn't as efficient as if you only have three shots. So I won't miss it. So that's my only suggestion, but um, what do I know? You know. <laughs> 
I haven't won a GT in five years. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a thought because I know even playing Emperor's Chosen, the because it incentivizes you to take smaller units to get more rerolls. Sometimes I really just look at my army. I'm like, I would rather have two four man bike squads sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was tying with the idea of taking like an outrider unit and just how many three man bike units just flood, you know, just, you know, the other guys have deployment zone. I'm like, I got behind enemy lines and oh, what's the other one? Probably uh, teleport armors, Nachman. You name it. Yeah, whatever. I wouldn't do, I have to double check if deploy toilet holders. I've had to roll under my unit number. But like, uh, even like, uh, Engaging all fronts. Okay. Do you really want to spend your turn trying to shoot six units <laughs> that are zipping along that really are no threat to you other than that? And uh, so I don't know. I'm kind of thinking it through. Yeah, I just know that overall, I'm very much just Dark Eldar is not my taste. <laughs> Building it can be a little wacky sometimes, and I just. I don't understand it sometimes. But at that point, I think we're good to head a little more south, I think, for Dice Hammer. That's right. Let's check out Dice Hammer GT. All right. So, Ray, if you are able to catch up, how about you take the top ten or the top five, however many you feel like reading today? I think I'll do the top nine. At least what I got. Um, And ninth, Ken... Onyebor playing High Fleet Leviathan. Eighth, Michael Georges playing Tyranids. Seventh, Mike McIntyre playing Tau Sept. Sixth, Derek Page playing Deathwing. Hey, we know that guy. (laughs) And fifth was Junior Aflehi playing Drakari. Fourth, Nico Urea playing Thousand Sons. Third was Logan Heath playing Tau Empire. Second, Joel Wilson playing Tau Empire. And in first, Jeff Jew playing Tyranids. So the interesting thing I'm noticing about this event, guys, is um, there is no single undefeated person. Indeed. Matter of fact, the entire top five is five on one. Yeah. Yep. So, looking at Logan's Tau list, I'm pretty sure it's all the same, except for the fact that I just now see Longstrike. He brought a hammerhead to a game of crisis suits. Um, <laughs> along with an ethereal with some marker drones, two bodyguard crisis suits, one, two, three, four, five, six, Seven, eight, nine broadsides. Nine broadsides? Nine broadsides, all of them with five shield drones. <laughs> and then he also brought three hammerhead gunships. <laughs> In addition to long strike. Oh my god. And then to round it all off, he brought Commander Shadow Sun. He was literally looking at you across the table going, If I see you, you die. <laughs> I think he mistaked that he was playing Battlefleet Gothic instead of 40k. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, but this is this is such because the bodyguards still cover long strike because he's a character. So at that point, it's just oh, oh wow, okay. <laughs> this is literally no funsville. Wow. And interesting, if you go back into that other player we were talking about, with the we were so worried about the storm surge because you know there's a lot of armies have not been teching for that. He's just like, oh, is there something big that can't hide? Let's just erase it from the table. Yeah. Um. There's Mortarian. Okay, he's dead. There's Magnus. He's also dead through Mortarian. Oh, look, there's Thraka on the table. He might live. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he can take too much damage. <laughs> Return. Um, yeah. But actually, we were t- you know we talked about earlier, like the the new Incarn. He's now fourteen wounds. He can't hide. Oh, where's he go now? <laughs> yeah, the new avatar and everything just. Boom. Um, and then in the second place list, Joel. Um, he's playing Farsight Enclaves. So the black sheep. Um, he does have Farsight. He has a Cold Star Commander, 30 Crew Carnivores in three units. Uh, one, two, three, four. F- yeah, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. So that's 11 Crisis Suits. And then this is the first time we see him in the wild here, guys. We see someone bringing double Riptide. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard of that in a while. They both have SMS. They both have counterfire defense systems. They both have early warning override, um, both with velocity trackers, but one has the heavy burst cannon. One has the ion accelerator. And then the last patrol is also so far outside enclaves because of Nachmund. <laughs> um, so he has the enforcer commander and another 10 crew. So I literally think this guy is playing protect the riptides and the crisis suits will have fun. It's interesting that he's using the smaller, you know, I said threes and fours instead of the, the brick of five and ten we've seen earlier, Crisis Suits. Yeah. The other thing that I'm noticing because of the points values, if he were to do something like to the last, you would have to kill um, one of his Riptides and then his two super buffed up Crisis Suit squads. So that's that's pretty hard to chew through, like the Riptide. Sure, it's a lot bigger, but at that point, I don't think you're going to be able to kill the Riptide and eight Crisis Suits. Yeah, that might be a little tricky. Yeah. And then on to the big bugs. Ooh, buddy, Crusher Stampede and Hive Leviathan. I wonder how many big bugs I get to count. <laughs> um, so we have double Hive Tyrants. Um, they're both flying Hive Tyrants. Um, one with monster Scything Talons. Um, the Biomorphic Carapace. So whoever one of us has a Tyranid book to make sense of this, I'm just going to read and you can fill in the blanks because I keep on forgetting what they are. Um, He is the Alpha Leader Beast. He has the Strategic Adaption, which I'm assuming is the Biomorphic Carapace. I think. I don't know. Um, Swarm Leader. The other one has Bone Swords. 
the synaptic hive blades, and his adaptive physiology is murderous size, whatever that is. Oh, and he he also brought Swarm Lord. This guy's walking across the table with three hive tyrants. But wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah. Um, three, six, nine, twelve Tyranid warriors. One brick of six hive guard. One maliceptor. Two scythe hero duels and a harpy. <laughs> Let's see. That's one, two, three, three and a half because the maliceptor is really small for a big bug. Uh, so six and a half big monsters. Three of which have a four up invuln. <laughs> yeah, other way to look at this list, he brought Rodan, two Ghidras, and Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, again, just a really simple list. It's <laughs> your Tyranid warriors literally stand and do basically nothing as your big bugs walk across the table. <laughs> Well, they can do actions, too, because we were talking about that earlier. So that keeps them fairly active, keep them moving. But yeah, with all these other threats, do you really go to shoot the Tyranid Warriors or these other things that are bounding on top of you? Yeah, that'd be the, the ultimate question, because I know right now is if there's more than like five big monsters, I don't have enough shots to get all of them. Yeah. Listen, I might have enough shots to take out one Herodol. I don't know if I have enough to kill a Herodol and a Harpy. And then after that, you're still dealing with two Hive Tyrants on, in the air and a Swarm Art. I'm like... <sighs> and another Herodol. <laughs> yeah. Because that guy had a second Herodol. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Well, wild and crazy things happen in California. Let's see if we can go to more sensible mines, perhaps in um, Texas. Yep, we're at the good old, at the Clutch City GT. Um, so we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There we go. All right, so the top tens are Apollo Chang with Tau Empire, Matt Tweedle with High Fleet Leviathan, probably Crusher Stampede. Um, Johnny Velasquez with Slanesh Demons. Um, then Nathan Fennel with Tau Empire. So 10, 9, 8. So Nathan Fennel in 7th. Um, Robert Moreland in 6th with Adeptus Custodes. Um, and then in 5th place, we have Kevin McCormick with Chaos Knights. Um, in 4th place, we have Greg Harris with Custodes. We have Nathaniel Bjorg, since his name is completely <laughs> in caps, um, with the custodes. We have George Bobkov with just straight chaos. I don't believe you. And, and the winner of the entire tournament was, in fact, Kit Smith Hanna with Tyranids. All right, I had to look at this chaos list. Just to see what was in it. <laughs> well, luckily, it's since it's the second place list, yeah, I have it up for reading, and I can kind of make sense of some of it because um, the the first battalion detachment is a um, emperor's children detachment with a master of executioners with flames of spite, mark of slanesh, um, raiment revuls revulsive. 
a sorcerer with a force sword. <clears throat> Three units of cultists. A single one with a heavy stubber. Guess he was the special one. Guess so. How um, would you do that? Oh, okay. He had points of over, I, I guess. guess but... um, then he has a unit of one, two, three, four, five chosen with an icon of excess and a mark of Slanesh. So I believe that's set him. Let's get Death to the False everything on fives. Yeah. And they're always swinging first because they're Emperor's children. Yep. And two of them have thunder hammer three of them have thunder hammers and then the other two have lightning claws oh. two of them i think um <clears throat> then he has a fast attack choice of a dura claw drop on a total of 14 warp talents yeah <laughs> or eight i think because i keep on missing the champion Oopsies. yeah two minutes eight because corn wants it not slinish um then he has a unit of Havocs, all with, with a single missile launcher and three Reaper chain cannons. Then a Spearhead of Death Guard as the um, Harbingers. He has the Poxbringer, the Tallyman, one, two, three Plague Burst Crawlers, and that's it. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and then the last attachment is a Chaos Undivided with... Um, a Herald of Slanesh, a Herald of Slanesh on Seeker Chariot, two units of Nurglings, and a unit of Furies. Inter this is just a wild list. Uh, I mean, it's... Yeah, that is just a whole bunch... Like, Obviously, the Plague Burst Callers are sitting back there with like, hey, guess what? I shoot over terrain. Yeah. Yay. Been doing uh, indirect fire since the start of the edition. So, yeah. You got that. You've got the Furies as action monkeys. You've got the Nurglings to hold down even more objectives, plus their forward move. The start of the game. And then you've got the, uh, the you know, the shock assault between the uh, Chosen and the Warp Talons. I'm trying to figure out what he's going to put in the drop pod. Does he put the Havocs in the drop pod, or does he put the Chosen in the drop pod? Um, from the little bit that I can assume, I'm pretty sure it's the chosen shoved into that drop pod. Oh. Because I think because this is only a five man squad, so I think he can put both the chosen and the havocs in there. Ah, okay. So at that point, they're safe off the off of the table, and if your opponent is playing something like orcs or tau they don't get to snowball and also pick up your really important units. Mm -hmm. um, and this custode list, which is third place, um, this one is the Emissaries Imperiatus, which is, um, this one I know for a fact is kind of one of the offshoots because this is the one that has the pre-game move strat but he's not he's only running a single bike and that's a character and then he has trajan terminator captain a single unit of prosecutors and one two three four five units of sagittarium wow <laughs> that's a lot yeah, it is I'm trying to see if they pay for them as a cordia <laughs> and they did 
on every single unit. Yeah. Um, isn't the cap for troops in a battalion like five or something? Six. Oh, okay. I always think it's less. Uh, then two Achilles Dreadnoughts, one of them with Eternal Penitent, and the Adrathic Destructors, so they have the Strength 5, EP3, Flat 3 damage guns. A The minus one to hit banner with the banner that allows anyone that shoots while underneath it to ignore light and heavy cover. And oh, he has one unit of bikes all the way down at the bottom. All with missiles. How does this this play? Because I'm, I'm trying to think of it's it's the closest that Destoids come to a horde. <laughs> um, essentially, the way that list plays is you have your pre-game move strat that will let you move. I think at least one unit, and you can pre-move you can pre-game move your bikes um, into a safer position or up to be aggressive if you need to reach something. And then, yeah, the, the Sagittarium, each of those units has nine shots at 36 inches of strength five, AP one, flat two damage. And all of that can be ignoring cover. Wow. Given as long as they stay within six inches of the banner, man. So essentially, it's a little walking um, flower of bullets because you just sit there and you make a little bubble of your Sagittarium you walk forward with the minus one to hit banner and Trajan. All of them get reroll once to hit and wound. And they're all ignoring cover. They are minus one to be hit. And it keeps your character safe. And because of the fact that the Sagittarium are troops, if you need them to do actions, they can perform actions much easier. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. But then we get to another big monster list. Um, hey, hey, that's one small monster there, mister. <laughs> that Neurothrope doesn't belong here. It's under 100 points. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, along with the Neurothrope, they have the Swarm Lord, um, a single unit of Tyrion Warriors, a Scythe Hero Duel, a Tyranifex with the Flamer, and then they have another patrol that is the actual Crusher Stampede. Because it looks like... Ah. Yeah, because they have two separate detachments. So one of them isn't listed under Crusher Stampede. So I believe they don't get the benefits. Correct. But it's a Flying Hive Tyrant, another unit of three warriors, a Haru Specs, a Maliceptor, a Dimacaron, and an Excreen. And a Harpy. So one, two, three, three and a half, four. <laughs> Basically, it, it is just a modified thing where you have a lot of big bodies and you don't know which one to shoot first. Yeah. I kind of like the other list better, but obviously it won the event, so what do I know? But it's still pretty cool. Because um, I think the overall trick that exists right now is I think with the Maliceptor, I think there's a way you can get a minus one strength aura coming off of it. So like when you're shooting your, like if you were to shoot dark lances into a toughness eight bug and it was in range of the Maliceptor's minus one to strength stuff, you'd actually be winning that big bug on fives. 
Yeah, so drops down to seven. I think that's correct. So, that could be the case. But overall, I don't know enough here in Israel to know what does what. All I know is that they're big bugs, and I need to shoot them before they Yeah, get I think what throws me off with the list is, as much as I love the Tyrannifex, it's a shooty big monster. And uh, yep. so it's interesting. He's got some. He's got a little bit of firepower. He's got close combat stuff. So it's interesting. Yeah. I actually really do like the acid spray idea on the Tyrannifex because of the fact that it's, say... Like, if you want a big bug to go die that you don't care about, you can throw out the Tyrant effects and just go, yeah, no, here's my flamer, blah. Yeah. That'll liberate a uh, objective from your opponent pretty quick. So, Yeah, and then they just counter-strike the Tyrant effects, which you're like, okay, cool, it died. Yeah. And then your scythe hero duel just comes in and eats it. Yeah, <laughs> or a overwatch. Let me try this. <laughs> yep, and did you have any thoughts about those lists, Ray, or are you kind of... Just along for the ride at this point. <laughs> oh no! I think the warp bait ray. Oh no! Nope, Sweet baby ray's been sauced. There he is. Ha <laughs> 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 Professional podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, long cord on my headset with a little button where I can hit mute, whether it be on purpose or accident. <laughs> I'm just kind of along for the ride for some Blame of these the dog, lists. Did it. <laughs> um, especially when it comes to something like Tyranids, because I haven't had a chance to come up and uh, play against one of, any of these Salus. Okay, that's a fair point, because I know most of us haven't been able to get actual practice games in, because they've been busy with, like, you know, important adulting stuff. Yeah, crazy stuff like but... that. Yep. So, otherwise, yeah, no, like, congrats to all those winners. It's actually refreshing to see, you know, not Tau in, like, the top three spots of every event we looked at. Yeah, they're still, still well represented, though, so. <laughs> yeah, the, the other refreshing change, as much as it hurts me, um, looking at all those top tens, I think there's only at most five custodes. That is true. So either someone found out the secret sauce about how to beat custodes, or all those custode players have decided to go, you know what? We're going to go play Eldar or Tau. <laughs> hey, listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your uh, armies then look no further than KR cases that's right this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases they're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament and just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out they're sturdy the boxes help protect your models and if you when you order they come fast the order is right and for a better price than the other guy so go to krcases.com and when you place your order be sure to mention the exterminators podcast anyway let's see how that all shakes up here with your itc top 10 
In 10th place from the UK, Matt Robertson with 600 points. Number 9, Michael Duke. Uh, 8th place, Sean Rice. 7th place, Manny Chima. Uh, key person to watch here, uh, as well as he and Matt Robertson, have only three events under their belt. Everyone else in the top 10 has four or more. So he has a lot of uh, wiggle room to move up the rankings. 5th place, uh, Jay Seabarn. 4th uh, place, Jack Weiss. West, excuse me. Uh, third place, Ryan Snyder, talking about Custodes, uh, getting an early lead. Cyclops is knocked down in the second. James Marsden is at 729 points, a full 70 points, but also one event in hand on Quint Johnson, who is your number one player for the week, at 799 ITC points. Still early in the season, probably a chance to catch up, but uh, seeing some uh, movement already in the top 10. Yep. So uh, we'll see what uh, now Eldari uh, Codex Craftworld is out. So we'll see what brings this coming weekend. Uh, crazy new lists, uh, Strands of Fate. Still, it's just one of those things where you look at that and you go, once you start eliminating variables like that, know exactly when you need a six, you just pick one up. It's going to be incredibly powerful. So I'm just curious to see how this RB actually plays out. And I guess we'll get our barrage of tiered rumors over the next few weeks as they are the next book to be released. Yep. I really hope they tone down Hiveguard. Rumor has it they, they have. So I'd be curious to see. But then I also go, how much do they change the core data slates? And then all of a sudden something like uh, uh, Crusher Stampede, or is, is it still viable at that point? Or does it change again? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, otherwise it is very much just a it is very much just a um, cross your fingers and hopefully we don't run into a play Tyranids or lose. Mm. Unbelievable. So anyway, uh, you want to catch all th- uh, any of us, we'll be at the Scorched Earth Open this coming weekend. So our big tournament, we're ex- super ecstatic. A lot of big changes. A uh, great new venue uh, in Mesa Convention Center. So we're looking forward to that. So next week's show will be a lot of coverage on that. And um, we'll also do quite a few live hits during the, sh- the weekend. So check out our Facebook page throughout the weekend to get an idea what the event looks like, what's going on. A few updates throughout the, the round. So and uh, some, you know, catch a few pictures of not only some of the top players in the Southwest United States, but also our venue and what's everything that's going on. So, gentlemen, anything else to add? Nope. Um, honestly, not from me outside of the fact that if you ever wanted to catch me in person, I showed Eric and Ray this, but just look for the little mat liner that has the gigantic mushroom cloud that says Exterminatus on it. Because, yeah, that's the way you can find at least one of us. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I gotta, but no, other, gotta remember how I updated guys. iTunes with the picture without screwing it up, so I gotta figure that out. <laughs> Otherwise, nothing, nothing from the lonely orc janitor who gets to go and paint stuff. Yay! Ray, anything else to add? I do not. All right, great to have you back. 
and love hearing from you guys. Uh, hit us up on our Facebook page, and also hit us up for the review on iTunes. I haven't heard, you know, I haven't asked for a review in quite some time. Helps us get us closer to the top, and uh, that way we can reach uh, more listeners and get the word out there. So in the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Raymond. I'm Robert. <laughs> yeah. Boy, you know who we are, and thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast.